Welcome to a D&D Candle Lab. Welcome to the D&D 5e Character Lab Podcast. With your hosts, Karen and Dan. Welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around one thing we as players cannot resist. Get in the mail. Garen, I don't know about you, but my mail has been a heck of a lot less fun now that uh, Christmas is over. But we do have a number of questions from our listeners that we will be answering today. And that's not all, Dan. We also have to announce the winners of the first ever Labby Awards. Well, how could I forget? What are the Labbies, you ask? Well, as you may or may not be aware, we use a heck of a lot of third-party content here on this show. Some of it from large mainstream publishers like Cobalt Press. And some of it is from individual contributors like my Oath of Apocalypse Paladin from our Sci-Fi Reskins episode. That was just one individual. There's a ton of content to choose from, but why not recognize the absolute best from this year's shows? We've selected five categories that we will be awarding Labbies to. Dan, why don't you get us started by listing the nominees for the first category? Now, we put all of the categories and nominees on our social media platforms last week, but if you did not get a chance to check that out... Here's what is up for a Labby this year. We start out by picking our favorite race supplement used this year. Now, this could be a race supplement, like a comprehensive just races supplement, or a race from a supplement, just to clarify. So the nominees are Monstrous Races by Tyler Kamstra. Now, Tyler used the monster manual and created every single monster in a playable PC race. Now, he also came out with a sequel, which is also up for a labby today, called Monstrous Races 2, where he took every monster that is listed in Volo's Guide to Monsters and created playable PC races out of every monster in there. So he has two supplements up for a labby tonight. Also up for a labby in this category is the Bear PC Handbook by Matthew Gravelin. Now, we had an episode where Garen created a bear from this supplement, and you can actually play a bear... It is a race and a a class in itself. They have their own abilities, and it feels a heck of a lot like an actual bear. And finally, from the Constructs Compendium, we did an, an entire episode devoted to this supplement. The Kemling race, which is an alchemist, is up for a labby today. It's, it's very versatile, and we loved the heck out of the way that it felt. And that is yeah. uh, written by Brandon Norris and Richie Root. Now, the next category will be the best subclass supplement we featured this year. The nominees are Elminster's Guide to Divination, the Prophecy Domain Cleric by M.T. Black. This is a fantastic book that really expands on the idea of divination magic, including lots of brand new spells. We got Midgard Heroes Handbook, the Beer Domain Cleric by Cobalt Press. This is a really fun cleric, obviously based around beer. It had some spot-on abilities, and the supplement itself is just chock-full of races, classes, feats, spells, all sorts of great stuff. We've got the Fates of Forgotten Realms, Oath of the Silent Path with, by Scott Bean, Michael Walk, and Alex Klippinger. This was a forest-based paladin, which I absolutely love, that I used on an episode. The book itself is full of just domains, paladin oaths, and even some ranger paths. And finally, the Teachings of the Inner Temple, Way of the Turning Circle by David J. Moore. This was a all-monk supplement, five different subclasses that feel really, really good. And the one I used, I believe, took home the episode that week. Our third category is for the best pay-what-you-want supplement featured here on our show this year. We chose to make this a category because these are creators knowing full well that they may not receive any money for the content that they're putting out there. 
but it's still really high quality stuff. So the nominees for this category this year are 15 New Backgrounds by World Builder Blog. That is James Intracasso, a good friend of the show. Volo's Complete Subrace Handbook by Clan Crafter Heralding. This is a supplement that I regularly use on this show. It has basically sub-races of a ton of different races featured in all of the core books by Wizards of the Coast. Uh, a lot of great flavor there, and you can get really granular with your character builds, which we really like. Angler, A Ranger Path by Stephen Wood. This is actually a supplement that Garen used to create like a fisherman type ranger that gives you a bunch of different rules for the types of fishing rods that you have. It's a really neat idea and we loved the flavor that was involved in this particular supplement. And finally, Dark Deeds Character Backgrounds by Chris Bissett. This gives some much needed depth to backgrounds that are notably absent from the player's handbook and other official Wizards of the Coast supplements. This gives a little bit of a dark twist, which of course I love, and Chris did a great job on this supplement, uh, available for pay as you go on DM's Guild. Our next category is the best unique supplement for 5e. These supplements were so different, they lie within a category all their own, and each one is a fantastic episode that happened in probably the second half of this year. So these may sound familiar. We're talking about Character Options Talents by Dragonix. This was talents that you can add to a existing character or with modified rules if you wanted to balance it out so you weren't overpowering your character. But these were feet-like, but with their own unique flavor and feel. We had Epic Characters by Marching Modron Press. This was taking your characters from level 21 to 30. We made level 30 characters, and it was fantastic. Fates of the Forgotten Realms, back again, because as I mentioned before, domains, oaths, ranger things, all of them based around specific gods from the Forgotten Realms, and they were rich with lore and very spot on for their... Um, stylization. And finally, we had Hag's Hexes, which is a really cool supplement by Tim Bannock, Matt Butler, Matthew Gravelin, JVC Perry, and Janek Selecki. And this was a piece that was perfect for DMs and players alike. We yep. used the Changeling player race to build our characters, but the Hags involved also were part of a bestiary and with story hook ideas, magic items, all sorts of fantastic stuff to make Hags feel even cooler. And finally, our last category is the Bell of the Ball, the best overall supplement featured on our show this year. And the nominees for that category are the Midgard Heroes Handbook by Cobalt Press. We have featured this supplement a number of times, and it is also featured in a previous category. I won't go too in-depth on it, but if you don't own it, it's probably the quintessential third-party hardcover book for your collection. And again, Faiths of the Forgotten Realms by Scott Bean, Mika Watt, and Alex Klippinger. They've shown up again in numerous categories. That's because, as Garen mentioned, a ton of lore, a lot of information about different divinities, and probably the most archetypes I've ever seen in any supplement ever. Uh, Volo's Complete Subrace Handbook by Clan Crafter Heralding. I already touched on this. It's a great supplement. Adds a lot of depth to your builds. And finally, one that has not shown up in any of the previous categories but has made appearances in this show several times this year is Xanathar's Lost Notes to Everything Else. This supplement goes a bit further than Xanathar's Guide to Everything by giving some more archetypes, giving a little bit more fun spin. I used the Red Reaver Barbarian from this supplement uh, in one of the episodes this year. There's just some great writing in there from the DMs Guild adepts. So those are our nominees for our labbies. The winners for each category will be announced in the second half of the show, so if you're an impatient jerk, please go ahead, fast forward. We left an hour of silence at the end of the show to make it nice and hard for you to do so. That's right, and the first half of the show 
is the return of the mailbag. But before we dive into that, I think it's important that we award a labby to our favorite sponsor, Cantrip Candles. They're the purveyors of 100% soy candles that are designed to accompany your tabletop adventures in games like D&D and Pathfinder. They're all great scents, honestly, and, and you can get a sampler pack from their website, cantripcandles.com, that'll give you tea candle size samples of nine of their scents for a total steal. Best of all, you can get 10% off your purchase when you use the code LABRAT, L-A-B-R-A-T, at checkout. Dan, first mailbag question, what is your favorite cantrip candle scent? I'd have to go with Adventurer's Bounty, my friend. This candle, honest to goodness, smells like coins and other treasure. It is by far the most unique candle scent I have ever smelled. And it's a great one to light up when you're in the dun- the dragon's lair to really add some good effect. What about you, Garen? Mm, yeah, tough to beat that. I got to argue about the versatility of dungeon depths. That makes it my favorite. As a DM most of the time, I have to light this bad boy up more times than I can count because it always smells like a damp old dungeon. Yeah, I'll be honest. You can't go wrong with any of these candles that they offer. They're all magnificent. Heading into 2019, Garen and I are taking a couple weeks off to make some serious improvements to our show. And we think you should make some improvements to your home game by adding cantrip candles to your table. Visit cantripcandles.com for more information. If you don't know how to spell cantrip, you shouldn't be playing D&D. Now, you asked, we'll answer. Let's dive right in. The first question reads, what was your first character? Well, Dan, actually, I built a character when I was 13 in the back of a Brain Snacks, which was the local game store in Downers Grove, Illinois. I never got to play the character, but I sat down with my friends and I built a Minotaur and he worked at Walmart, you know, 13-year-old backstory, which I thought was hilarious at the time. And he fought with a club. I don't recall his name, but I promise you it was stupid. Is he ever coming back to make an appearance in any of our home games? Dude, now that I brought this up, I have to bring that guy back. I'll dredge my memory and figure out the best I can. (laughs) So I think I've talked about him on the show previously, but I built a Dragonborn fighter, and you basically built it for me because I had zero interest in participating in this game that you asked me to play called Dungeons & Dragons. He was at first an eldritch knight and then slowly transformed into a uh, battle master once I realized how cool that was. And that ended up being a really cool character, Dan. And I think it helped you really learn the game and kind of get yourself settled into it. And it got you excited about character creation eventually. It did because that character was so boring and one-dimensional that it made me really want to expand a bit. And actually, I I ended up buying some softcover race supplements from Cobalt Press. And that's what inspired me to start just incessantly creating characters. so. So... After this year and a half or so that we've been doing this, what are your favorite and least favorite rules about 5e and how could the latter be improved? I think this is a good question. I want to approach this question by saying that I don't think vulnerability is used enough in this game. I think it's a great rule. We came out with a supplement for the Beastlands where we had the ostrich race had vulnerability because it had hollow bones. And we got a little bit of flack from some reviewers on that, but I think that it had some great abilities that offset that vulnerability. And I would love to see more third-party creators exploit that a little bit. I think it could add some depth to roleplay as well in that anything that does bludgeoning damage, I, I would imagine that your character, if it were an ostrich, would be downright afraid to get into a conflict with it. Is that your favorite or is that your least favorite? I kind of combined it in that I love vulnerability, but I my least favorite part is that it's not utilized enough. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. And it's a great point. Well, I can tell you, I think my least favorite rule 
is critical hits are actually a little bit underwhelming with just one, rolling one extra damage die. We found some Pathfinder critical hit cards and not all of them could apply to our game because some of them were very specific to the way Pathfinder rules work. But just the idea of being able to do something a little bit extra on a crit, that felt so good, especially when you're only getting it on 20. I'm sure if it was a little bit more common, it would get a little ridiculous. But my favorite rule would probably be advantage and disadvantage. I think that is very clean. It's very easy to explain to a new player, and it keeps the game moving without having to take in too many factors into, into consideration. Yeah, and I'd like to add on to that that it, I do appreciate 5th edition being so friendly to new players. I, I, I found that, you know, we've recruited a ton of people uh, to the, the dark side of D&D, and we've taught a lot of people how to play, and I find it very easy to teach people. Absolutely. Another gem asked here is, uh, which stats are the best and which are the worst in 5th edition? So my answer on this is con on both, because I think having high con is huge for a character because that amount of hit points goes up exponentially, especially if you have like a D6 die character. But it's also the worst because it doesn't have enough to it. Just being a feature of hit points, you know, it just, I feel like there could be something else to it. But maybe I'm answering my own question in doing, in saying that, because maybe if you had con being too useful, everybody would be putting points into con. So I'm not even sure where I stand anymore. What about you, Dan? <laughs> I think the the best is easily dex. You know, especially with finesse weapons, uh, with monks, you know, you can make a dex-based monk. It offers the benefit of improving your initiative. It also is used in calculating AC. I would love to see somebody put strength against dex in an argument. I, it's just no question in my book. Um, also, I think no question, intelligence has to be the, the least useful score because you're not often making an intelligence saving throw. And unless you're a wizard you're not really putting all of your point by into intelligence. I feel like uh, there's a lot of dumb characters walking around in 5e because of that. Yes, yes, at least not enough educated ones, ones that read more than a book. Here's another good question, and we'll try and keep this one as brief as we can. What would fix the ranger? It's a loaded question. <laughs> I'll let you take the floor. I, I don't know where to start. Well, I just reread the Ranger of the Player's Handbook again the other day because I was working on a project, especially because I was reading the Beastmaster Ranger. And when they released the Unearthed Arcana Beastmaster Ranger, they gave it almost too much damage, too much attack. I think we just need to find a happy balance between how often that beast is attacking and what kind of damage that beast is doing and the sustain that the beast has. I think it starts off really nice at level three with applying your proficiency bonus to all the stats on the beast. Now, that being said, favorite enemy and terrain, these are really cool features, but the problem with them is that they are incredibly specific to your yeah. campaign. Yeah. I don't know that there's another class that asks as much from your DM about catering the story to you. You know, if you love to hunt skeletons, but your DM hadn't planned any skeletons in the game, well, then you guys are kind of on both ends of the table then, aren't you? Yeah, and, and Garen, I think that's a great point as to where I have all of my grievances with the Ranger is that I think it's just, it has great abilities. There's no question. And, and when people say, well, well, the Ranger has all of these, you know, wonderful things, you know, you just have to use the favorite enemy. You've got to use, you know, your hunter's mark. And But the problem is, is, is you can be really effective, but you have to know a considerable amount about the campaign in which you're about to embark on. And that's arguably takes a little bit of the fun out of it. So... Yeah, uh, I, I think I think they could do a better job of, you know, maybe taking the focus back a little bit and make it giving it a little bit of a bigger picture applicability. If they could vague that stuff up a little bit, I think it would find it would uh, settle out nicely. So I think we've solved that one. So what is the most unfairly underrated class and subclass? 
I think whatever class you say, there's going to be someone out there who's being like, what do you mean that's underrated? I love that class. And that's true. Well, I, I've got my answer. I'm going to answer. I'm going to shoot it out. It's the Paladin. Okay, what do you got? Yeah. It's the Paladin. Not enough love for the Paladin. So beefy at high levels. They've got great spells. They're a healer. They can deal out damage uh, with that Divine Smite and all the Thunderous Smite and Branding Smite and all this other stuff, which, by the way, you choose any of those other ones, like Branding Smite, blind someone for a minute, like... You're, you're talking some serious utility on top of the damage dealing, and then you've got healing. I tell you that it's really opened my eyes over the last couple of years doing this show of how much I actually do like the Paladin. We've been very unfair to the Paladin, so I would agree that that is the correct answer to this. Subclass-wise, I'm going to say Path of the Zealot is better than I thought it was at first, because I'm thinking about it now, and I think that is rich in roleplay. And unlike the Ranger, that's not asking too much of your DM, because it's just kind of established the focus of your Barbarian in a really cool way. And for subclass, I would have to answer that the Scout Rogue kind of scoured forums right after Xanathar's Guide came out last year. And a lot of people were bashing the Scout Rogue, saying that it was like a less cool ranger. But I think that if you have sort of like this nomadic thief, it, it's a very appropriate build. And arguably, in my book, if I were to play a ranger, I would just build a Scout Rogue because you get that sneak attack. So uh, he's a little bit more powerful than a ranger and then gets the benefits of evasion and cunning action. So... That would be my answer. Right on. Okay, so uh, here comes another one. Who's your that's favorite president? That, that's not I, how Why'd does. you give me DJ Khalid? <laughs> it's another one. Okay. All right. Another one. Who's your favorite president? FDR. I think we touched on this a little bit in the yeah. uh, history episode. I called it the big deal. It was the new deal. But yeah, he was a, a game changer. And he was in some pivotal moments in American history. So, And the only three-term president. That's true. Also Barack Obama. All right, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. so yours is yours is barack obama yeah i like fdr i like teddy roosevelt and i like barack obama very good so the next up is what is the stupidest <laughs> i know the answer to this one for you yep what is the stupidest way that your character has almost died or died yeah can i take this first here yeah i think you just take this question so we're in the tomb of annihilation right and we're always up against these puzzles and they're driving us nuts and i'm playing a barbarian who took the oath of conquest as a paladin and i keep telling the party i'm going to dominate this temple i'm going to get through it i'm going to attack stuff and i'm just basically a barbarian with a mission statement at this point so we get locked in this room and these monsters attack us and we scare them away with fear effects they go through the mouth of that tomb demon face now we've seen a few of these around the tomb and you could go into them and so i figure the monsters are in there and the only way we're going to get out of this puzzle room is by getting those monsters first so i tell the rest of the party i want you to know if something happens i wanted to conquer this tomb and i dive headfirst into the mouth of the demon and it was a sphere of annihilation and my head evaporated, and I was dead immediately. <laughs> and it was honestly the only time that I've laughed hysterically when a, when a PC has died. There was absolutely no sympathy at our table for poor Hato's death. We played with him for a year, and the DM didn't know what to do. He was just, he was like, are you serious? You're, you're dead. I mean, that's it. You're gone. <laughs> and I'll quickly answer by saying that Build Patron, uh, the Dragonborn fighter, he smashed a bunch of clay pots that had uh, psychotropic powder in them. And uh, it made everyone go mad and attack one another and go into the water and submerge themselves and try to drown themselves. And the effect was supposed to last for, like, I think 45 minutes or something like that. And luckily, Garen being the DM had mercy on us all and didn't make us go through that because I think we all would have died. You're leaving oh. out the crucial fact that you, you saved on that. 
I did say. So you almost killed everybody else, and it would have been the result of y- your death too. I would have just had to kill you after that because I'm yeah. not. I'm not moving on with one character. No. <laughs> Dan, think fast. What's your favorite character build of all time? Go. I built a rogue fighter combo, and I think I've done that on this show actually uh, before. I like the abilities of uh, taking a, a lot of levels of rogue, like eight at least, and then at least four levels of fighter. And I think that you get uh, a really nice mix of abilities. Good answer. Mine was a level 10 Circle of the Moon Druid that we played for your Christmas one shot. That guy was unstoppable. I could have played him for a whole campaign. He was fun and he had something for every occasion. Yeah, that and he, you know, with that, the ability to just shapeshift into relatively beefy creatures, like you said, his actual being never took a hit. No. And he charmed a monster. I mean, the guy was so good. All right. Another uh, great question, uh, inquiring about something that we rarely touch on. What is your favorite ninth level spell? And what is your favorite cantrip? Go ahead. All right, so let's start with cantrip. I'm going to go ahead and say poison spray because at first level, you know, you, you're you a, a tiny little young druid and you're spraying out 1d12. It's pretty beefy mm-hmm. as a cantrip. No spell slots. It does some considerable damage at first level. I like it. I'm going to say toll the dead because it is twofold it's got it's an attack spell it does 1d8 but if they're damaged at all it does 1d12 so it is not only kind of a multifaceted cantrip but it's already kind of got some story going on there so that's pretty cool yeah how about ninth level spell so i i here i've never seen it used but i would love to use it power word kill 100 hit points or less you say a word they're dead instantly. I mean, yep. I really want to use that. I like that. I also like true polymorph. It's simple, but it's clear, and that is a total game changer. If you cast that on somebody who's almost dead, you turn them into some some, some crazy monster. Turn the tide. All right, what about favorite feat? I like spell sniper. <laughs> Unfortunately, part of this is just because the word sniper to me is always a really cool word. The idea of a spell sniper, like launching those cantrips 300 feet... That's really cool, and it's got some great features. It's a real battle-ready feat for spellcasters. How about you? Yeah, good point. I would have to go with either the alert feat, giving that plus five to initiative. That can come in handy depending on what type of character you're playing. Uh, I really like the flavor to that. Either that or the lucky feat. Uh, The lucky feat is arguably one of the most powerful feats there is in the game uh, with those three re-rolls on just about anything you can think of per long rest. For real. Okay, so how about your favorite house rule, Dan? You know what I like? Uh, when when you DM, if somebody rolls a one and they have multiple attacks in a turn, if they roll a one on, say, their first attack, they're donezo. Yeah, and, and that applies to players and monsters. Yes, so I, I really do like that. If they roll a one, you know, maybe they're on their first attack of three, they miss so badly they spin themselves in a circle and fall down or whatever. I, I do like critical failures being as devastating as a, a, a critical hit. What about mm-hmm. you? I would have to say it's a rule that I've applied, which is if you roll a one or a two on your hit die, when you level up, you can re-roll. I say three or more on a hit die. I know it's not balanced, because especially because the D6 die, they're gonna at least going to get a three out of six, which is really great for them. But I think nothing sucks more than leveling up and only getting like one extra hit point. Like what was the point really? Especially because some levels, that's all you're getting. Maybe a couple of spell slots and some hit points. So it should always feel like something happened. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. And and really, it's not a whole lot of fun for anybody. In You know, the player who is playing a character with really low hit points, nor the party that he or she is playing with, because they know that they're a liability. So 
that's another that's a good point, Garen. I, I appreciate yeah. that. All right, and finally, a great question. What changes are coming to your show in 2019? Well, I can go ahead and start this one off. Uh, you may be able to hear that my voice no longer sounds like I'm recording this in a void, uh, which is a plus. I've upgraded my sound equipment, which is well overdue. And also one of our main concentrations for the coming year, which is audio production. And we want to give a shout out to our patrons that made this possible. Another change we are making moving into the new year, no more swearing. Our show will be 100% family friendly, starting with and including the episode you're currently listening to. Were you wondering what the squeaking sound was? That was the cleanliness of the episode you're listening to, folks. And on top of that, we are making improvements to arguments, new theme song, skits. Just tune in. Lots of fun to be had. Well, I think we've opened our last piece of mail, Garen. What do you say we open up these envelopes to reveal the winners of our Labby Awards? Good idea, Dan. Now, though these awards may come with no physical prize, we did a want to a lot time to recognize some of the best content from the wonderful creators out there in the D&D community. We love you all. Keep up the good work in the coming year. Now, our first category, favorite race supplement. The nominees were Monstrous Races 1 and 2 by Tyler Kamstra, Bear PC Handbook by Matt Gravelin, and Constructs Compendium by Brandon Norris and Richie Root. And the winner is Tyler Kamstrup with Monstrous Races. We're going to give it to one and two. One especially came out so strong. He put all of that work into it. It was a year and a half of work, he told us, and it showed. We've used some of those races on our show, including the Mind Flare and the Shambling Mound, and they are sure to come back for more. And the next category is for the best subclass supplement we featured this year. And again, the nominees are from Elminster's Guide to Divination by M.T. Black, the Prophecy Domain Cleric. From Midgard Heroes Handbook by Cobalt Press, The Beer Domain Cleric. From Face of the Forgotten Realms by Scott Bean, Mika Watt, Alex Klippinger, The Oath of the Silent Path. And finally, from Teachings of the Inner Temple by David J. Moore, The Way of the Turning Circle. Winner, of course, is The Beer Domain Cleric from Midgard Heroes Handbook. I just have to say, I had so much fun. Uh, this was one of Garen's builds, but I actually multi-classed a little bit in one of my own builds in one of our home games. And I gotta say, there's just a boot and rally type feel to it. And so much fun, fun stuff that is built into this and just baked in the cake. You could bring this all the way up to level 20 and have a ball with it. For sure. Now, guys, our next category was the Pay What You Want Supplements. The nominees are 15 New Backgrounds World Builder Blog by James Intracasso, Volo's Complete Subrace Handbook by Clan Crafter Hralding, Angler, A Ranger Path by Stephen Wood, and Dark Deeds Character Backgrounds by Chris Bizette. The winner for Pay What You Want, can't believe it's free, Volo's Complete Subrace Handbook. We talked about this in the beginning episode. We talk about it every time it's on the show. You gotta check this thing out. I mean, you want a subrace for your furball? Of course you do. Download it. And next up is the best unique supplement for 5th edition featured on our show this year. And the nominees are... Character Options Talents by Dragonix, Epic Characters by Marching Modron Press, Faith of the Forgotten Realms by Scott Bean, Mika Watt, Alex Klippinger, and finally Hags Hexes by Tim Bannock, Matt Butler, Matt Gravelin, JVC Perry, and y Yannick Silicki. The winner for this category goes to Epic Characters by Marching Modron Press because it fills such a great need. I'm sure there are campaigns that go on for many, many years, and once you hit level 20, what happens next? Marching Modron Press answers that question for you, and they do a heck of a job addressing each of the 
subclasses that are uh, in both the Player's Handbook and Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Great supplement. Check it out. And finally, we have the best overall supplement used on our show in 2018. The nominees were Midgard Heroes Handbook by Cobalt Press, Fates of the Forgotten Realms by Scott, Mika, and Alex, Volo's Complete Subrace Handbook by Clan Crafter Heralding, and Xanathar's Lost Notes to Everything Else by the DMs Guild Adepts. And for 2018, Dan and I are 100% giving it to Fates of the Forgotten Realms. I think we've said enough already in this episode. Every time we say the name, we want to elaborate on this book, but it is 100% worth your money. Now available in print, which would be an excellent addition to your shelf. If you have ever played a cleric, paladin, or ranger, what are you waiting for? And if you want more gods in your game, this is a book that is going to inspire new ideas. As a DM, I have learned from it. This is the book. I, I have to agree 100%. I know we both have spoken on this in this episode, but it's over 200 pages of chock full of great stuff for DMs, players, and just enthusiasts. You could just sit down and read this book and learn more to bring value to your home game. So pick this up in print. This would be a great addition to your collection. And a sincere congratulations to all the winners. A custom graphic will be tweeted out tagging the winners so they can choose to bury them in their Twitter and Facebook timelines. And we would like to thank you, our listeners, for another successful and fun year over here at the D&D Character Lab. Look forward to more fun and great improvements next year. We'll be back on January 16th. We look forward to hanging out with you guys then. But in the meantime, Lab Rats, when it comes to character creation, just remember, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Thank you guys. Have a great new year. This has been a production of the D&D Character Lab Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DND Character Lab. Or shoot us an email at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com. Most importantly, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. <laughs>